I guess no one is very reflective. <laughs> we kind of just live our lives. Hello and welcome to Hug and a High Five. It's a mom and daughter podcast journal. I'm Ingrid. I'm the daughter. And I'm Vicky. I'm the mom. I'm trying to figure out how to be an adult. I'm trying to figure out how to parent an adult and live as an adult who is more than a parent. I live in New York City. And I live in Los Angeles. And this is Hug and a High Five. Well, Mom, welcome to the very first episode of Year Two. That's right. Hello. Hello. <laughs> we are yet again 2,444 approximately miles from yeah, each Yeah, approximately. Other. Truthfully, since the last time we recorded, I've moved apartments. One year, one apartment down. That's right. Uh, yeah, you might be a mile closer than you used to yeah, be. Yeah, I could be. <laughs> I moved <laughs> to the island of Manhattan itself, which feels very luxurious, and I'm really glad Start to be living with people. The news. That's right. That's right. Mom, you do you know are. that you sang that song in our very first episode? Ah, and now it's year two, and I'm yes! singing again. <laughs> so coincidental. That's awesome. How poetic. Yes, I love it. Uh, but you are living in East Harlem, and... Um, a local friend of ours called it Spanish Harlem. Yeah, it's interchangeable, Spanish Harlem. Yeah. How cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're living with friends. Yeah, I live with friends, and I live in the midst of friends. There's like six families in a 20-block radius, and my church is right here. So it's pretty lovely. There's such That's a- very exciting for me. I was, I was telling someone earlier today, it occurred to me that last year was the actually the only year of my whole life that I lived in my own room. Yes. So not only was I moving to New York by myself, but I also transitioned to not living in the same, sleeping in the same room as another person. So rewind for me. What was last year living in a room by yourself like? What are some new feelings that you had? Oh, oh, okay. Um, well, I, I, have the tendency of saying that I, I'm not a person that like takes a lot of time to like really think things through and understand the transition that I'm going through. It kind of takes someone else coming in and making comments about it. And then I'm like, Oh, you're right. I guess that is different. But I will say another good friend of ours. Yeah. I, I was t- explaining that to him and he looked at me and said, Ingrid, no one does that. No one sits around and, like, thinks about those things. You're not any different than anyone else. (laughs) Okay, thank you, Sam. I guess no one is very reflective. (laughs) We kind of just live our lives. Um, So that being said, I I don't know if I had a lot of, like, big thoughts about, like, what's different and not being sad. It was always retrospective. So I would go for 20, 24 hours or 48 hours in my room on my days off, like watching sitcoms for probably nine hours a day in a day after working out with you in the morning. And then I'd be like, why am I sad? Mm-hmm. Well, because <laughs> you've watched people have scripted conversations and like, look gorgeous on TV for 48 hours and you haven't talked to a real human. That is a super uh, mature observation to yeah. have of yourself. And it's kind of sad that it took nine hours to have that. Oh, no, no. This was many times of nine hours. This was not a singular situation. (laughs) This was all of last year. 
But it was not, it's just those kind of things where like, I, I'm just getting to the point of thinking beforehand, okay, on my day off, I need to schedule some time out because that's healthy, you know? <laughs> okay. So here, this is just a, um, a difference in generations. So when you have the luxury of, um, being able to binge watch all those episodes, yeah. When I was 21, I was still in college. You graduated kind of on the younger side. I think I graduated when I was, well, I guess I graduated when I was 23, two. I graduated when I was 22, not, not that much further. Yeah. yeah. About, okay. About the same as me. I, I just turned 22 yeah. right before so, I moved to people of my generation what we would do if we were just like having a slothful day we would binge watch uh, soap operas you know daytime television was a thing and I think maybe daytime television has fallen away probably now I don't have any idea because I don't really watch tv but (laughs) but um that was what people would do so yes we would watch other people have scripted conversations looking beautiful and they had lots of traumas in their life for sure because that's what daytime television was but um you just watched it with sitcoms and i i guess i would maybe maybe i could watch it with reruns but i couldn't usually watch them all at the same time Right, you'd, it would be like each sitcom, each hour or something. You're like yeah. little parts of each show. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so that's one thing that you did. You realized that you needed to build in things into your schedule where you get out and talk to human beings. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which luckily is a little bit at least built in for me now because I'm living with people again that are around. Was there anything you more enjoyed often? about having your own room when you hadn't had it before? Uh, yeah, yeah, I enjoy the luxury of turning on the light whenever I want. <laughs> That's a small luxury. Um, and I know, it's hilarious. That's, like, the thing that I... But that's a real thing. Because when someone else is sleeping, you can't just, like, turn lights on. Um, what are things that I enjoyed? Yeah, yeah it definitely, there's, like, a different uh, freedom for, like, spreading out and decorating it exactly the way you want and that kind of thing. But... Is it I all that it's cracked up know. to be? It, it wasn't, like, terrible. No, it's not. <laughs> it's really not. I don't need a lot. I don't need my own room to sleep. Like, I'm just sleeping in it. And I'm not, like, inviting people over. And I'm not, like, doing weird things like that. I don't know. I think that would be the thing. If I had, to be very blunt, if I had an active sex life, I probably right. would want my own room. <laughs> but that's right. not a priority okay. to me. So. Um, that... Uh, that is probably, probably the key. Yeah, I think that's it. I don't know. But I actually really, I mean, just the last, I've been in my room two nights so far with my actual roommate, Brooklyn. I have two other apartment mates. And it really reminded me of, of growing up with Ellen and Audrey. And, like, just hearing someone stir as you wake up and knowing they're in the room with you. And I, I do something really mm. comforting to me about that. So decorating the room by yourself, that's kind of cool. Being able to turn on the on off the light by when you want, and if you had a relationship, that would be cool. But you don't have one right now, so that's not really a need. And that's about it. That's all that having your room to yourself is cracked up to be, huh? If you were gonna 
like intentionally find time to yourself to be reflective and and have time to yourself you wouldn't necessarily find it in your room is that right or would you go to your room right that's the thing well no the point is to continue to be equally as reflective as I have been or more so but that can happen in a coffee shop and in the living room or anywhere else you know I've mentioned before in different like when I've gone on a date with a boyfriend or just like with a a close friend I always feel them like it's almost the most loved when we sit in the same room and do different things quietly Mm -hmm. for like four hours and I come away just being like that was the (laughs) best time (laughs) it's just just like the comfort like knowing you're there but not needing to like Mm -hmm. entertain each other you know um, which happens in our house when I'm home and happened with my roommates in college, the end of college for for sure. And um, so it's nice to be in a place where that's that cool. available again. Uh, we had one of our topics of conversation, which we might come back to, was the concept of living in community versus living independently. So maybe we just covered it. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, at least a lot of them. But one ways. of the things. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's. Per personality, for sure, because some people are very happy and prefer to, like, be alone most of the time. Even one of my roommates just, like, is in her room most of the Mm. time, um, which is fine. But I found that I need to—it works for Brooklyn and I to live together because she's a total Mm -hmm. extrovert. I might have already explained this. She's a total extrovert, and I need to be sort of drawn out of myself and Mm -hmm. out of my thoughts. Um, And so we, like— do good That's things for each other that way. I just had a meeting with somebody, um, the director of the Ch- Kids Hope program, and we developed all of mm-hmm. the six or seven themes for the year. And last year I agonized over writing them individually. And this year, I yeah. well, I had kind of pre-written two of them, but then we just had a conversation about the other ones, and we kind of like outlined the whole year. And it only took we had two hours scheduled, and I was wow. we both marveled at how efficient we were in those two hours together because both of us love the autonomy and the independence, but both of us work really right. really well having a conversation. That's like the the input factor of our strengths yeah. is makes us so efficient. So that was, it was really beautiful to do. It was really life-giving and it felt really efficient for me where a lot of the times when I'm working on my own, I like to work on my own, but I feel like I kind of am slow and plodding. So it's lovely. Right. Yeah, it's it's almost more the the, uh, opportunity for community or connection than it is the, like, the act of connecting just you're there if I need you we can just I'll just comment something out loud and you'll be able to catch me yeah. and have that interaction mm-hmm. you know yeah very cool like well so one of the things we also want to talk about today is the whole four years of college the reason we created this podcast is we said hey you're going to start out new life and we should like find a way to stay connected because this is new, and yeah. um, we weren't actually very good at it in college. So we kind of are going to rewind right. to remember the four years of college. Yeah. <laughs> Even further. Yeah, I do think I, I 
think it's poignant to do this on the first episode of year two because so far we've talked a lot about like staying connected and what it means to live cross country between the two of us but there's a deeper story that we haven't quite shared which is that we already were across the country for four years and it didn't go as well quite as it has the last year disconnected i often tell people yeah people twice moms now will be like oh your daughter lives in new york like, what is that like? And and I just kind of <laughs> smile and shrug my shoulders and say, it's beautiful. I talk to my daughter every day, briefly, and we exercise yeah. together often, and life is way better in our relationship than it was when she was in college. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I think it'll be interesting. I don't know exactly how to start this, except to maybe go back and forth and just, like, share our experiences through college. Mm-hmm. Um uh, actually, another uh, friend who's a mom in your midst uh, messaged me about the podcast after listening to our first episode and thought and said, my daughter's going right off to college for Maranatha and I can't wait to listen to your podcast to like hear about it and hear what that's like. And I thought, oh, no, we've got a warner. <laughs> <laughs> but it isn't everyone. My understanding of what here college is like extended camp experience in some ways. Mm. You know, there's like nothing else like it. You don't, you go to college and you're like, I don't, it definitely prepares you in a lot of ways, but there's a big way in which nothing, college can never prepare you for real life, which is that it's not real life. (laughs) You're living in such a bubble all the time and you're very self-centered and there's really no way to not be self-centered because you live in a dorm room with people your age who are equally as young and concerned about themselves and professors that cater to your every need and a, a like a life that's already paid for previously. It's yes. like weirdly, it was the closest thing I can liken it to is being on our cruise. Well, we went on a cruise a week ago and it was like, oh, I'm back in this place where I can just ask for things and they're given to me, you know, like bizarre. Yeah, like, well, ironically, every meal is provided. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. There's like very, you're working at academics, but you're not working very hard for your life. No, no, not at all. Um, I think that that your experience was a little bit more unique possibly because you went to a small school, small private school. Small private Christian school. Versus, yeah. well, you know, or, uh, versus going to a big state school where you're kind of a small fish in a big pond and you have to figure out your own way to swim because you don't mm. automatically jump in a school of fish. You can choose to. You can right. choose to jump in a school of fish, but it's not quite as laid out and paved for you like follow this path you were definitely mm-hmm. given a specific path to follow where oh man i was given a piece of paper with every single class i was supposed to take in the year i was supposed to take it and i said okay right like no decisions necessary um yeah i went to the university of minnesota my freshman year and mm-hmm. i was given kind of a class like these these are general ed classes that you right right the first need two to years take. 
Um, yeah. And I, I just said, okay, I'll take the general ed, ed classes. But I chose to be a fish that got into certain streams. So I chose mm-hmm. to be the fish that got into the dorm stream. And I did take the meal plan. And I had, so I had my meals provided like you did. Oh, yeah, because you had a lot of commuters at your school. Um, and you could have commuted because you lived in Minneapolis. Right. But I lived on campus in the dorm. And I had the meal plan and I got involved. Yeah, I enjoyed my roommate and we had a little community there. And then I also jumped into the Greek life stream. Right. Um, So I had that community and we had a meal together on Monday nights and a house meeting and things. I didn't live in the house, but so that was that. And then on on weekends, we had inter-Greek life activities together Mm -hmm. but I didn't like go whole hog into that so right I had that stream and then I had my college group stream for my church which was active and thriving and I enjoyed and Mm -hmm. so that I went to like once a week and then I had a ballroom dance club which I love so jealous (laughs) oh my gosh that was a happy stream that I went to once a week um so I had my different places, but they were in different places and they were like specific, but I had to find them. They, those weren't all the, aside from the dorm, they weren't all handed to me. Yeah. Yeah. So I did have more autonomy to choose the streams I wanted to get involved in than you did. Yours was, right, you had right. a, like a little narrower choice. Well, just less people in general to even get to know and I just was in theater, and that's the thing I did, which is plenty. I did lot. I had lo- I didn't have time on my hands, but um, yeah, it was very. You had a full life, and yeah, um, just just like a very self centered one. So as far as our relationship goes, um, I'm just reading this book now uh, by Julie Lithcott Hames, How to Raise an Adult. Okay, she's a Stanford professor. She went to Stanford, and then she went to Harvard, and okay. she was... Oh, she wasn't a professor. She was the dean of freshman students, and wow. she wrote this book um, to parents on kind of the over-parenting culture that par- yeah. parents of our generation live in, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then she admitted, she said, I have to write this book to myself because mm. I overparent my little children, and yeah. it's fascinating. Um, but to some degree, I feel a little bit proud. I mean, we, we certainly overparented a lot, (laughs) totally, but, um, to some degree we let you go and we let our other college student go to a degree, um, where we, we didn't overparent in college, like the way we could have. And yeah. I mean, uh, certainly we have many instances where we overparented and you weren't prepared for college and you weren't prepared right. for life because right. we like controlled too many decisions in high school. And mm-hmm. um, I think that in part led to some of what we feel is a little bit of the fractured relationship we had in college. That's interesting to, to draw it back that far. Because I think from my perspective, there's like two portions of um, what made our communication hard in college. One was just like probably what the general 
um, FOMO almost, fear of missing out, mm-hmm. of me calling home every once in a while and feeling uh, homesick but not admitting it. Oh. And you calling me and asking, why aren't you calling more often? I miss you. I share with me your life. I'm, I'm missing out on these four years of of your life. Because I did not call very often. Mm. And I had a good time talking to you. But there was a lot that I didn't tell you about. There's just a lot of like, this is my life. And I have the right to not tell you things. Which is true. But if that's the heart out that I'm coming out of, like, probably isn't a good idea, you know? Mm. So that's the one. I think that's one. And I, I feel like that's probably true of every child and parent Mm -hmm. um, that goes off to college. The other big thing is I just can recognize that any time I was in a relationship with a boy, it was a hard relationship with you. Mm -hmm. I, that is the rule when I'm dating, it's hard with mom and dad so far (laughs) in my life. (laughs) That's what happens. That's so sad. That is, yes, that is true. That's exactly what happened. (laughs) And I, you know, I think we're getting better at it. And this year I've been very, vigilant to like have you be one of the first people that I talk to about the first date that I'm going on and I've gone on lots of first dates and no second dates by design because I don't care to be heartbroken again so I'm just gonna wait a while (laughs) till I'm ready for that commitment for my personal self but um I dated someone in the beginning of high of college who I like came to college with quasi from high school And I dated someone for two years at the end of college. And both of those times, I was very, I talked to you a lot less. I wanted to say a lot less because of things I was guilty about and because I wanted to walk in the shoes of an adult, but I didn't know how. Mm. You know, when you, you know, people like, it's obvious when it's your boss and you're like, they want to be the boss and they think they get power by pushing other people around when really you're powerful when you don't need to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's the, the surest sign of weakness is you trying to be powerful. Mm. The surest sign of not being an adult is when you're like, I'm an adult. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and that pushes you away Im- immediately. And that got really hard. Yeah, it was it was painful from our side, from my side. Uh to feel left out of the real conversations mm-hmm. and to know that the conversations were shallow. Right. And, uh, yeah, and then I think to feel resentful um, and to try to figure them out, uh, figure out how does this work. Um, figure out your feelings or figure out our situations or our conversations. Yeah. Kind of to figure out like, well, what do we talk about now? If these all of the, it, it felt like there was a lot of off limit topics. Oh yeah. You used to say that you used to say, is this, is this off limits or can I talk about this? You used to say that directly to me. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, uh, there, I think that is one of the signposts of, an adult relationship is there's a lot of conversations that I don't have with my other adult friends. And, um, if I do have them, 
you know, I enter them very delicately or I wait for that friend to bring them up. Mm. And so in this period of transition from parenting a child to parenting an adult, um, that was a really rocky road <laughs> with lots That's of potholes and rocks, I think, to trip <laughs> over where, yeah. where I'm no longer, I'm done with the teaching part. And, uh, and, and we actually went to some counseling about it and I, I'm kind of yeah. like on the, I'm on the advisory role right now. We had, mm-hmm. we had somebody describe it to us like, um, consultant, you know, the, the person is on the hiking trail and they'll come back to, to you to consult with like the path that they take, but it, it's only if they want to. <laughs> right. Right. So, um, that- which is tricky for sure, because there, there's a definitely a portion of friendship where you say, I'm really concerned for this person's safety in, in like physically and emotionally, but it's their life. And up until college, that, that wasn't what you said as a parent. You said, I'm concerned about this person's safety and also I'm responsible. <laughs> not it's not just a concern, it's a responsibility. And to have that responsibility shift was hard. Yeah, and I think actually now some of what I'm reading in that how to raise an adult book if I had read that, you know, when you guys were in junior high and uh mm. you know, maybe I would have made different decisions when you were in high school or and it's hard to be a parent of kids that are different ages because we had this conversation several right. times when you were in high school. I, I would say, you know, I'm sorry, but I, you're paving the trail for your sisters and I don't want them to have this. So, right. yeah, but there was like ultimately, you know, if I was to look back and say I have, this is a parent regret I have, you know, I feel like there was more controlling that we did. This is, I don't want to be hmm. hard on myself in hindsight, but yeah, I think it's, it's healthy and honest to right. have regrets and to say, yeah, I controlled places that I was fearful of and I didn't know how to have a conversation yeah. around and I wanted to have a conversation about it, but you guys, it seemed like you recoiled from having those conversations. I don't know. What, what portions of that, of our lives was that mostly? Uh, in high school and in and in college. And also the whole concept of co-parenting. I think, you know, Daddy and I weren't always on the same page as far as um, how much control and and involvement to have mm-hmm. and, and um, boundaries and privileges and things like that, in, especially with regard to your relationship with boys. And so... And... We never right. traveled that road before, and, you know, when you have the privilege of being the parent of being the dad of three girls, and then you just want to protect her from the world, your dad totally wanted to protect you from right. the world, and um, that's honorable and noble. 
<laughs> it totally is. Right. It means yeah. he loves us so much. Uh, and then my perspective on, you know, like my growing up and my dating experiences were, and my interests were different than yours were, but we didn't really get to have a conversation around that very much. It just was like, I feel like the stakes were really high or I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. All those conversations through, through high school. I don't, I, I think probably I could read your uncomfortability and I was like, I've got to be uncomfortable too then. And then we both were like, okay, let's not talk yeah. about it. So boys was really the thing. That was really the thing that made it hard. And it's not hard right now because I'm not dating. <laughs> I have, I have said that. That's like, like the simple answer. Yeah. Which seems lame, but I don't know. That's <laughs> Why? Why is it lame? Uh, there's open communication now. Maybe, uh, yeah, when, when you start dating someone, maybe it'll change again. Right. That's like the hope is that it won't. The hope is that I will continue to be able to be open about it. Mm-hmm. But it is a weird thing where like, I, I think you made a comment a few times in high school where you said, I don't want to be Mrs. Bennett. Oh, yeah. That's like from Pride and Prejudice, right. who's like, oh, my gosh, like, all I think about is getting husbands for my daughters and, blah, 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 you know. Yeah. Which I honestly think is kind of funny because my perspective of you as your daughter was that you were the opposite of Mrs. Bennett. <laughs> you were far more to, like, never date anyone than to, like, be the one that's, like, overly boy crazy uh-huh. and I always thought it was odd that that's how you per- perceived yourself and you must have had far more thoughts in your head about like the perspective boys I was interested in than I knew about because from my perspective you were very much against it hmm. yeah yeah I, I had no idea how much to talk about boys or how yeah, often or what to say or and I, I didn't know. All my barometer was like talk about it all the time or not talking about it at all. <laughs> right, right, right. Nothing. And so you, it seems to be, chose to talk about it not at all. Yeah. So glad that we can talk about it now. Thanks for telling me when you go on dates. <laughs> for for listeners, uh you were, uh, mom was just grimacing as she said, yeah, <laughs> it was a very painful. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay, mama. I think it's really help. I I'm hoping that this particular episode is extra helpful mm-hmm. to moms going through this because yeah. y'all need to know that it's okay to make the mistakes mm-hmm. and that you are not the only one that has a hard time talking about boys with her, your daughter. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's a good you know, thing. I feel like that's the yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, what I've started to say this summer, which I'm really happy about, I'm, uh, I, bought, I read a book a couple years ago. Uh, you introduced me to it, I think, um, by the Jonalyn or something. Um, Jonalyn yeah, Finch? Yeah, called Coffee Shop Conversations. And it was called Manners in Conversation, and one of them is be willing to update your opinion. Oh yeah, and yeah. that's a phrase that I say often: is be willing to update your opinion. Now, my added phrase this summer is, um, the first thing that comes out of my mouth, I have permission to be a rough draft. Oh, interesting. 
and I might revise what I say. Just like when people send texts or Twitters or Instagrams, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of times, and there's statistics that say people don't reread their texts until after they push send. Yeah, and then you're like, and then oh, crap. Like, Ah, stupid typo. Yeah. Why didn't I say it? Like, why yeah. didn't I read that? Um, Which I think we do reread our emails, but we don't reread our texts. Yeah. Yeah. And probably people don't on their Twitters or whatnot. I don't yes. have Twitter, so I don't know. <laughs> but um, so I've started to say that, you know, when I say something, sometimes I'm thinking out loud and I would like eat my words that after they came out mm-hmm. because I'm like, Oh, I didn't really mean that. Right. So that, I don't really think that's generous or fair or kind or loving to hold people to the first thing that comes out of their mouth. Cause sure. we need to be kind enough to give people a permission to have a rough draft mm-hmm. of what comes out of their mouth. Mm-hmm. And you know, when people used to write letters, they used to write them thoughtfully and, yeah. Who knows? And, you know, John Adams talked about writing long letters and mm-hmm. I don't have time to write you a short, concise letter because I haven't had time to think about it. I think and that's things so like that. cool. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, and college became short, concise letters because I didn't give you much time of day. Yeah. But, you know, to the raising, how to raise an adult. Uh, end that it was, you know, to some degree that was healthy, that it was painful for me because we hadn't lived that way. Right. Um, but it was healthy to let you have your space and your community and your people. And um, even if I you didn't you love what, them, do, do you know what I delight in now? What? That you're closer to your prefrontal cortex. Yeah. Um, this was the bane of my existence growing up that mom would just say that I was not fully developed yet and I don't have a prefrontal cortex. And it was like, <laughs> all right, nothing I do matters then. It's all going to be relegated to the fact that I'm young. And yet I'm sorry. you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong. And I'm not there yet. It's not complete. It's such a great thing. And I use it all the time because I am your daughter and I will often say, well, my frontal cortex is not yet developed. People always laugh at me. They're like, why do you know that? Because <laughs> my mom. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's good because it's true and it gives you permission to, to not be a grown-up yet. But as I've said previously, when all you want to do is be a grown-up, it's hard to hear. Yes. Well, that's why we're having this conversation for all people to hear is yeah. because there are second drafts and third drafts and revisions and updated opinions and those it's it's beautiful that we can live life together yeah. and life is better today and sweeter and more connected i will say that's like the bottom line is yeah. you feel more connected i feel more connected to you definitely and i'm so happy to see you on zoom and and, uh, to have these conversations with you and those four years of college were painful and they were distant and detached and um, you can't avoid all of those we will have those you can't avoid them that's right and it yeah it is kind of beautifully like uh, this obviously that's not the reason but the move to New York became like a second draft our second draft in how to be an adult mom and daughter. Because we talked yeah. about that as soon as I went to college. Mm. But that was an 18-year-old Ingrid. And this is the 23-year-old Ingrid. And Yay! That's different. 
Happy for me. Yeah, Happy both, for me. both were important. I don't think we could have gotten here without the four years of college. But if you were a mom or daughter listening to this in the college years and you're like, this sucks, it's okay. <laughs> it's not the end. Right. And it might not suck for four years. Yeah. Maybe it in might the middle, suck for four years. Maybe in the might. sophomore year, she won't date anyone and then it'll be better for that year. That's Points right. To myself. It was lovely. Sophomore year. <laughs> Sophomore year it was lovely because you weren't dating anyone. And I talked to you a lot more. Yep. And I liked your friends. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we both sigh. Yeah. Oh, well. It's okay. That's life. We're still alive and we're smiling and we're grateful for each other and we're grateful yep. for where we are. And we today, just keep so. to yeah. We just keep to keep learning on it. Yeah. Keep, yeah. So. I'm going to give you a high five. Thanks, Mom. High five. I love you. I love you, too. Long distance hug. I'm really thankful for you. Thanks for sticking through the hard times. Yay. (laughs) I'm really thankful for you and for not uh, shaking the dust off your feet with me and (laughs) coming back and saying, hey, I like you. You're still, I still want you around. We're still going to hug and high five no matter how the distance and how developed or undeveloped our prefrontal cortex is. <laughs> All right. All righty. I love I'll you, I'll talk Mama. to you soon, Ingrid. Okay. I love you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Hug and a High Five. Yep. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to suggest a topic, ask us a question, or share your mom-daughter story, please email us at podcast at gmail.com. That's podcast at gmail.com. All words, Hug and a High Five podcast at gmail.com. Have a great week.